This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. This is Revive All with Oasis City Church Columbus, featuring pastors Bill Thamalaris and Adam Stewart. Hey, this is Bill Thamalaris. Thanks for listening to Revive All. And today you're going to hear a very encouraging message from our campus pastor, Adam Stewart. And so today we're going to continue the series on the table, the table. And so as you see today, we have several different chairs around the table. Today, this chair, the wheelchair represents this lame man that we find in John chapter five, lame for 38 years. And that yet when he encountered Jesus, Jesus said, do you want to be whole? He was saying, do you want a seat at the table? So me and Tara are going to preach together today. And she's going to tell you about a couple other chairs at the table. So we have a guest here. And this guest is stable, sturdy, but not afraid to get comfortable at Jesus' feet. Not in a hurry to get up from the moment. This guest is Mary. And see, Mary had a sister, and Mary's sister had a seat at the table. But instead of the seat, she chose distractions. But don't get it twisted. Just because you're distracted doesn't mean you don't have a seat at the table. This guest, you would know her as Martha. And this chair in the front, you know, is it's a little modern. Doesn't look like it belongs at a dining table. It's it's new. And if we got a little closer, you would probably not smell the greatest. It probably stinks because the, the man that sat here spent weeks and months running from his father, squandering his inheritance. And yet when he returned home to the good father, there was a seat at the table for him. And next to him is the, is the traditional dining chair. The seat that's always been here representing his brother who who always had a seat at the table. And yet being part of the house, being part of the family always, he took his seat at the table for granted. And he got jealous when others came to the table that didn't look like him or smell like him or had a past. Then we have this guest. It's like everything's pretty fantastic and comfortable for this guest. And, and he did have wealth and he did have a significant job and was known in the community, but still he had obstacles. This guest at the table is Zacchaeus. Today, we have this illustration so that you will understand that the kingdom, the table in the kingdom is for everyone. There is room for you. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you sound like. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter who you are 
What you need to know is it matters that you're at the table. There is a place for you. And as a multicultural, multi-generational church, which by the way, the kingdom is. Yeah, it may be trending right now to be multicultural, but the kingdom has always been and it will always be multicultural. When we hear people say, yeah, you're really intentional. No, God is intentional because when you get to heaven, it will be multicultural and multi-generational. This is not a trend. Hello. We are brothers and sisters and we have to come up and realize that there is a seat. I'm not making a way for you at the table. You deserve to be at the table. So that's our intro today. Welcome to the table. I think I'll just pray so you can preach. How about that? We, go ahead. He said, what, what, what? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we're thankful that you first loved us. God, you made a way for us when there seemed to be no way. God, when we were lost in our sin, you still loved us. Hmm. When we were running as hard as we could away from you, you were chasing us. Wow. And Lord, when we turned back to you, you welcomed us with open arms, with the seat at the table. Lord, and for even those here who, who are in that place today, running from God or not near to God, God, we thank you, Lord, that today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of, of having a seat at the table. So Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our minds to you? Would you prepare our heart to receive your word today? Your word's like a seed and our heart is like soil. And so that that word and that seed will go down and it'll bear fruit, much fruit, fruit that remains in us today. We love you, Lord. Have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So what, what, what is this table? If you missed last week, the table is, the table is God's picture for the church, but it's really God's picture of humanity, of relationship with him. And in the Old Testament, there were, as you see today on the table, there were six loaves of bread, two stacks of six loaves of bread, 12 loaves of bread sitting on this table of the presence in the tabernacle, then in the temple with the Israelites that was sat before the Holy of Holies. It was called the table of presence. The word bread there literally means face. It was like face to face with God. And so it was a picture of relationship with God. Even though the Israelites couldn't go into the temple of the Holy Holies, God's desire was to know them. And so when each tribe gave to the temple, they gave and those loaves were made every single week fresh. Part of them was resting in the presence of God. They were represented there. And so it's the picture of the presence of God is the table. And so in the same sense today, the table is a natural piece of furniture. Yep. And it's a place where we as people gather around with one another and we fellowship. We are present at the table. And in that presence, we, we break bread, we share food with one another, and we get to know one another. We fellowship. It's where co- covenants are made. Covenants are kept. And so the table is this incredible picture, both spiritually and naturally. As important as the table is, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have to ask the question, so what's keeping me from the table? Yeah. 
What is keeping me from really engaging in the presence of God? What is keeping me from growing in the spirit the way I know I should? If you look exactly like you looked last year spiritually, you have not been partaking at the table. And then we have to realize that one of our highest callings on this earth is as brothers and sisters. So if you are under the lie that I don't need people, you may want to read scripture. Because if Jesus felt the need to break bread with people, maybe I need to too. So we have to be willing today. Can we put our vulnerable coats on this morning? They're not always comfortable, but I promise you, you will leave better for it. Come on. I will leave better for it. So we have to ask ourselves, what is keeping us from experiencing the table? It could be ungodly beliefs. Things that we're believing in, it feels like facts. And you know what? It might even be fueled by facts, but truth triumphs facts. Right. Okay. So we have to take our ungodly beliefs to the cross so that Jesus can say, actually, that's not true. I would never say that. I would never say it about you. I would never come into agreement with that. Let me take that ungodly belief and let me replace it with a godly belief. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that could be keeping us from the table in the spirit and the natural. Also past hurts, wounds. But you know what else? Sometimes a lack of etiquette keeps us from the table. Come on. A lack of table manners in the spirit and the natural. And so today we would like to talk about the table, table manners, and just walking through the process. So many of you, I'm sure, have either opened your mailbox or opened your email, Facebook, Instagram, and what do you get? You get an invitation, right? Now, when we have an invitation, we don't really talk about this because, you know, we're really not that honest. But here's the deal. When you open an invitation, the first thing that you process is, do I want to go? Correct? Right? You open it up and you think, oh my goodness, that's my favorite person to be around. I wouldn't miss it for the world, right? You look at your calendar, you move things because you want to go. Okay. Then you open invitation up and it is sandpaper Sally. And deep down, really deep down, you're like, I don't want to go. Right. We have to be honest with ourselves. And here's the thing. There are invitations coming out in the spirit. We are sometimes not recognizing the fact that we are in fact saying, I don't want to go. All while saying we want revival. There is an invitation going. The first step of dining at the table is to accept the invitation. We have to accept the invitation that is going out in the spirit. And we have to be enjoyable guests. So God is sending an invitation out right now. I think of Mary and Martha, the invitations going out. So many times we can be distracted in our invitations, right? The invitation comes, we're distracted. What do we forget to do? Say it loud. RSVP. Now, is RSVP important? Oh, it is? 
Is it rude to not RSVP? It is rude to not RSVP. Right. It's rude. It's so rude. Because do we not RSVP because we're stuck in the, I don't know if I want to go? Or maybe it's... I don't know if I need to go. Oh. So, so we're talking about how to be a good guest today. How to be a good guest. So there's three things I think that, that work both in the natural and in the spirit. And the first one is this. It's accept the invite. We have to accept the invite. Because the invitation is actually a question. Come on. Will you attend? Like, will you attend the table of the Lord? Will you attend the party that we're throwing? The invitation is a question. And I think there's a lot of us that when we look at that, then that question that pops up is, is do I want to go? And we immediately know the answer. But regardless of what the answer is to do I want to go, the question of do I need to go is just as important. There are events that you need to show up to that you don't necessarily want to go to. Yep. Come on, somebody. How about, how about those work functions, those work parties? I, I mean, you don't want to go to every one of them, but, but as, as an employed person who wants to stay employed, you need to go. There are times that you need to go and build relationships. There are times where you need to go sit at the table even though you don't want to. And so it's the same thing in the spirit. There are times that God is stirring us. I mean, like we're in one of those seasons where it's, it's almost easy to want to go. Hmm. Where, where, where God is moving, he's working, you're hearing testimonies, you're seeing things, and, and it feels so good to be in his presence that you want to be there. There are other invitations from God where he, he extends an invitation to the table, but we don't really want to go. But the question is today is, do I need to be there? And I'll propose to you today that we need to be in the presence of God. That it's actually what we were created to do. We were created to be at the presence, at the table of presence. We were created to dine with Jesus, to partake of his, his body and his blood. That is communion. It's what we were created to do. But you see, in the church, many of us have chosen not to go because either we didn't want to go or we felt like we didn't need to go. Wow. So we've seen church attendance go down. We've seen participation in community at church go down. Uh, it was one of the greatest attacks from the enemy uh, with COVID was, was, was attacking the body of Christ, the gathering together of believers, which is the table. So the enemy strategically sets out an ambush against the church, an ambush uh, against the people of God. And so what happens is we forget to gather or we think it's not important. And so what happens then? All of a sudden in the church, we have a lot, we have empty seats at the table. In the kingdom, we have empty seats at the table. But it's not just a church problem. It's actually a world problem. It's actually a family problem. It's actually a, a practical problem. Right. Do you, do you know how much our culture and our society has changed? And yet for, for thousands of years, as much as everything has shifted and changed across humanity, the table has always been the gathering place for the family and for friends until the last 40 or 50 years. Do you know 60 years ago, people love stats. I love stats. Do you know 60 years ago, the average dinner in America, the average family dinner in America 60 years ago was 90 minutes. 
Today, the average dinner in an American home is 12 minutes. How in 60 years do we go from 90 minutes to 12 minutes of family dinner? How? It's because we've forgotten the table. We've forgotten the importance of table, that the, that the table actually matters, that it's not just the healthier food that we're eating there instead of the fast food, but it's, but it's actually spending time with people. It's actually looking people in the face, looking them in their eye, having a conversation. It's actually looking across at someone that you disagree with, but, but working towards a solution in a peaceable way at the table while you're breaking bread together to be able to find a solution. And so I submit to us today that we've lost the table as much in the home as we have in the church. Yeah. And so we need a re-emphasis on the table today. We need to recognize that even though we don't want to come to the table, we need the table. We need the table. So we have to accept the invitation and we need to RSVP. Do we have any brides or mother of the brides in the house? Wave your hands at me. We have, okay, we do. We have more than a couple. So RSVP is important, right? Because you want to prepare for them. So I will propose to you, how many invitations has the Lord put out? But you have a hesitancy in your RSVP because you're not really sure if it'll work with your schedule. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you as someone that is host gatherings or events, I don't tend to continue to go to somebody unreliable. So let me ask you, if the Lord is not using you the way that you thought he would be at this moment, are you reliable or are you hesitant in your RSVP? She's not talking about planning center, though. No, <laughs> definitely not. I mean, which, I knew, which if you're new to the church is the way that we RSVP if we're going to serve or we're going to be a part of a group or, or, but, or, or all but, that. But um, you weren't talking about no, that. You were no, talking about more Tanya, spiritual our things. children's director, she's so prophetic that she knows the question mark by your name. You'll be there, right? No. Accept <laughs> right. right. or decline yeah. the invitation. And yeah. you know what? There are moments where the Lord says, no, Jesus never went anywhere. The father didn't send him. Right. What this message is not is a guilt trip. Right. What this message is, is get up and get to the table. We have to ask ourselves, have you ever had somebody who always has an excuse why they can't be somewhere? You're like, well, my cat broke its leg. Wow, last week it was your bird's wing. Like, this is crazy. You know, it's like there's always, like, you, you, you knew, or like, it's just like, oh my gosh, work came up today. No, you knew you had work. You actually work a nine to five every day, you know? But you know when, when excuses just come up and yeah. we have to realize that we can't operate that anymore. Yeah. When the invitation comes in the spirit, is the Lord saying yes or is the Lord saying no? Yeah. Because if we give, we have to understand that our timely no gives somebody else the opportunity for a yes. But when we drag our feet with the no, then the person who's supposed to say yes now does not have sufficient time to prepare because of your hesitant no. Yeah. We have to realize that the RSVP is important. It, and let me encourage you, like, you know, phones can be such a distraction. Like these can be such a distraction to us. 
but they're also a great tool. Do you know there's this thing with numbers on it at the bottom that is a calendar? Okay. <laughs> this is going to blow some of your minds. You can open it up. It tells you what day it is. You can put something on it at the proper time that you're supposed to be there. And then guess what? You can set a reminder to remind you that it's coming up. Oh my goodness. Then you can set a second reminder to remind you as well. You can even tell it to tell you when it's time to leave wherever it is that you have parked your rear end and tell you it's time to get in the car and to go to this appointment. Wait, you could be on time? Yeah. Oh. So, so, so here's the encouragement. We, we laugh about this because we're so busy. But there are things that are on your calendar right now. I know. If we opened it up, you have things on your calendar. It's the things that are important to you. Have we said yes to an invitation from God and then put it on our calendar? Yeah. It, it, this part is simple. Like, set a time with God tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening or tomorrow on your lunch break and, and put it in your calendar. Set a reminder. Create space in your schedule for something that is important to you. So if the table's important to you, make it important. If it's family dinner, if it's dinner with your friend, we're going to talk about this more next week, okay, what your family is, but, 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 but the people at your table, if it's important to you, guess what? Block it out. You don't accept an invitation to something else if family dinner is on the schedule. If dinner with your friends is on the schedule, then you don't accept something else because it's, it's on the calendar. This is simple talk, but it will change your life. We also have to realize, you know, God, if you're watching anything right now, you'll, you will notice that God is moving. He's moving. And it's very easy to say, I want revival. I want to move of God. Yeah. Well, if they would just pull up all the lights and get rid of the fog and just not even preach, God would come. It's so funny because, you know, there's barely any room to sit today. But Friday at, pre- at prayer, there was a lot of room in the building. There was a lot of room. It's easy. Again, this is not, I'm not condemning no. anyone. What I'm saying is if we want to say we want something, then our actions has to reflect what we want. Come on. If you want revival, if you want to see a move of God, there is a cost. For instance, if I want a filet mignon today, I cannot go to McDonald's and order a filet mignon. That would be really nice. It would be great if McDonald's in America made great filet mignons, but that's called dreaming. It's never going to happen. So here's the thing. If you want a move of God, what does that require? We have to recognize what we're actually accepting. And we have to get honest with ourselves. And maybe where we're at is, you know what? I I actually don't want to pay the price for revival right now. Mm, Right. And that's okay. But it's better to be honest than tell the host you're going to show up and not show. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. Tell us about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. You know, Mary, I love her. I want to be her. I have checklists 
You know, I love lists and more than lists. I love crossing things off lists. It just makes me feel so happy inside to see that list with red checks or, you know, like anybody else, a list checker offer. Okay. Yeah. It's great. I love it. But, you know, you look at Martha and what I love about Martha is I feel her. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. There's a million things to do. And life is busy and you have families and you have work and you have social lives and you have everything. But what does Jesus say to Martha? Martha doesn't say, hey, since you don't come to church or bring your kids to church anymore because you have them in 15,000 sports, you're going to hell. He would never say that. He would say, Mary chose the better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mary chose the better. Mm -hmm. But see, Martha was distracted. Right. Distractions right. will derail you. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Distractions will derail. If you find yourself in a place and you're like, I'm just not where I, I thought I would be. What distraction derailed you? Yeah. I have a really great story for this. I mean, go ahead. Can I tell it? You, you already did. Before, I already did so. first service, but it was a great service. Okay. So how many of you have ever hosted a dinner party? Wave at me. Yeah, awesome. Okay. You know, there's preparation in hosting a dinner party, right? Yes, there is. You have to prepare food. You have to prepare the house. You have to scream at the kids like you're a crazy woman. No, that's just me. I'm sorry. No, okay. So in December... We were having our, the Thimilaris is over. We do Christmas together. And that evening we were doing a boil. It's annual. It's something that we love to break bread or break crab legs together. You know what I'm saying? And that evening it started to snow very heavily started to snow, but don't worry because I'm a planner and I had checked off my list. I had everything I needed. Say she had everything she needed. Awesome. So my husband, my amazing husband right here came to me and said, uh, I see him putting his coat on. I said, babe, we have everything we need. He said, um, oh, I'm just going to check the roads. I was like, I don't, I don't think you should check the roads right now. We have everything we need. The roads don't need checked. He's like, yeah, I'm five minutes, babe. I'm back in five minutes. Okay. Spoiler alert. Three and a half hours later, because what? His distracted derailed him into a ditch. And then he had to be towed out of the ditch. So guess who wasn't cracking crab legs with us? This guy. So don't be like that. I told you to talk about Mary and Martha. <laughs> Um, yeah, true story. True story. Um, true story. It was true story. It was. It, it was like 30 below zero. That was the blizzard, you know, the ice, the blizzard. I mean, they, the police, the state policeman said there were six people that went off in that spot. I'm a good driver. You're, he's not helping. You didn't have to be one of them. See, that's a lesson for you. I, you don't have to be one of them. Even though people else are finding themselves in the ditch, you don't have to find yourself in the ditch. and toasty at my house not sitting in a ditch it was cold okay show it up it was cold so there, there's such an important truth here though that I think Mary and Martha and I guess my story too um, talk about because Jesus walks into this best friend's home and the two sisters are there 
And he looks and, and it says, Martha was distracted. And we get so easily distracted. Like we really do. She was distracted with good things. She was distracted preparing. But Jesus described it like this. He said, he said, Martha, why are you worried and bothered about so many things? Do, do we understand that worry and anxiety keep us from fellowship with Jesus? Yeah, true. Like her, her worriedness, her anxiousness that she chose. And we, we do struggle. Many of us, like mental health, listen, anxiety, I'm not demeaning any of this in any way, but I'm saying we choose it often. We choose to surround ourselves that worry us, that bother us, that create anxiety. And so when Jesus said, Mary chose the better, she chose the more important one. All these other things didn't have to happen, even they were good. And so that's a challenge for us in the practical, say practical, practical. in my own life. What is, what is in my life that is good, that is keeping me worried and bothered and robbing me of what's most important? Yeah. Robbing me of, of the table at church and with, and a, and a fellowship. So say, accept the invite. Accept the invite. Number two, say show up. Show up. So in order to be a good guest, we need to accept the invite. Secondly, we need to show up. You see, showing up requires more than good intentions. Come on. Showing up requires more than good intentions. If you RSVP, it says that you have an intention to be there. But showing up requires more than intention. It actually requires a plan and it requires follow through. And you see, there are obstacles to us showing up to the table. There are obstacles. Say obstacles. Obstacles. Now, some of us call obstacles things like traffic, that there have been the same traffic patterns in our city for 50 years. And we, we call that an obstacle. That's called a foreseen obstacle, right? I mean, the traffic on the way to rehearsal on Thursday night for the worship team, like that's a foreseen obstacle. It's crazy though. I never knew there was such bad traffic on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. It's so crazy. You know, it's, it's the worst, right? It's the worst. I, I say this because we often, there are obstacles that if we simply looked ahead, we could completely, that we, yeah. we'd be completely removed. Uh, but, but then there are other things that we have to recognize may pop up. There may be obstacles that, that happen that we didn't see, that we couldn't plan on, but we have to be decided that we're still going to show up. Wow. Some of us let these smallest things derail us from what we intend to do. Intending to worship God, but you know what? My coffee maker's broke. Oh, man. I'll just go back to bed. When things come in our way, we, we are so easily knocked off. And there's a story of Zacchaeus in the Bible. And so Jesus is walking through. The, the, the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus was a rich man, very rich man. He was a tax collector. Okay, so he's a very rich man. He is probably the most well-known man in the area. And the Bible says he was short in stature. He was small. Zacchaeus had an obstacle. That was his height. His stature was an obstacle. But what did Zacchaeus do when he knew Jesus was coming into town? He made a plan to show up. Zacchaeus could have very easily stood back in the crowd and said, I can't see. Or he could have thought, you know what? I'm so short. I'm not going to be able to see, so I'll stay at home. Wow. But what did Zacchaeus choose to do? He said, there's an obstacle. I'm short. I'm going to find a way around this because I've got to meet Jesus. I've heard so much about him. I've got to meet him. So Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree. And I think for us to understand this today, as someone who is probably one of the most well-known people in the, in, in the land, 
someone who was wealthy and rich to climb a tree in a skirt? No, I mean, really, like, the guy probably had a kilt on. I mean, that's what they wore back then, right? They wore these... People were walking by and saying, Zacchaeus, come on, man. (laughs) I mean, it's in the Bible. Like, think about this. How much did he have to humble himself to climb up in a tree to say, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to see Jesus. Whoa. I'm going to see Jesus. And it's remarkable to me that he would overcome an obstacle. But so we've got to push through obstacles. The other thing that faces us are excuses. Yeah. So obstacles, it's like we feel like that makes sense, right? We can kind of own that. Sorry, there was an accident. I'm late, right? Or sorry, Lord, I got distracted today with helping somebody. Okay. That feels okay. But what we don't like to own sometimes is our excuses. Okay, so let's look at this scripture. John 5, 2 through 9. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Mm -hmm. This is the lame man we were talking about. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Okay, Jesus is in front of him. He's saying, do you wish to get made well? Here's his response. Are you ready for this? I have no one. Wait a minute. You're telling me the creator of the universe was in front of you and your response was, I have no one? Okay. Do you know how many times We sit and say, I have no one. And Jesus is like, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. Look at me. Look at me. Up, 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 up. Come on. Eyes up, up. I'm here. Hey, I have nobody. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares. I went through this. And do you know no one even called me? He's like, me, me. Look at me. Hey. Come on. Listen. God wants to move on the earth, but we have to look up. Look at him. Don't be so immersed in your situation that when the savior of the universe looks at you and says, do you want to be made well, that you say, I have no one. And then he says, everyone else is beating me to it. Oh, that sounds like this. Did you see what she did on Instagram? Did you see what her husband did for her? Her husband obviously loves her a lot more than my husband loves me. Did you see those family trips? Did you see those family photos? Okay, first of all, they were fighting before they took that family photo. Those kids' lives were just threatened. (laughs) I mean... Seriously, though, we've got to be honest about this. Come on. Guys, you're looking at someone's highlights. Come on. You know, and let's just even break it down. Any pastors or leaders out there, when you watch online and you see everything looks great and everything, you have no idea what goes behind the scenes of churches. Come Come on. And it's easy to look and say, well, if I was at Stephen Furtick's church, that wouldn't happen. You don't know that. 
Come on. And I love him. I love his messages. I'm just saying. We have to get out of the place of self-pity. Come on. The question is not, do you have everything you want in life? The question is, Come on. do you want to be made well? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to be made well? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to be made well? We have got to realize that why in the world would the people that don't know Jesus want to come and be a part of people who are still laying sick on the floor, emotionally refusing to get healed or delivered? Come on. Come on. Listen, hear me. We oftentimes think deliverance is something like, oh, they must really be off. Okay, I got delivered from something last week, so I don't know what you're talking about. Deliverance and healing is a part of life. If something is triggering you, listen, I go to my accountability partner, I'm like, pray for me because I just got triggered, and that is not that, that's not their fault. I need healing. Come on. Come on. Like, we gotta talk about this stuff. Come on. If you are constantly being triggered by something, that's Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'd love to heal you. Come on. Oh, come on. Hey, I would love. It's like my child that comes to me with a splinter. I'm not like, how dare you get that splinter? I'm like, baby, let's take it out. Okay, it's going to hurt, but you're going to be so much better. We have inner healing here. We have something called restoring the foundations. We have a place for you to come. And guess what? We all have stuff. Mm-hmm. We all have stuff. And as a family, we should be able to say, I got some new stuff I need to get rid of. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. How many splinters have you taken out of our kids? Okay. When Adam takes the kids' splinters out... <laughs> <laughs> All right, you deserve hey. that one. <laughs> it's why we need one another. Yes. It's why we need each other because Lynn is a much better at deliverance than I am. Our deliverance team works on these things because they practice it, they do it. They're better than I am at it. So we have them. That's why we have one another. Absolutely. It's so important that we recognize, and that's why we stay connected. That's why we have a seat at the table, because the person right next to you, who you're wow. tired of the conversation, it may not be that, but it may be somebody across the table that has so the answer good. to what you need. And that's why the table is so important. And, and it's remarkable to me that, the, that, this, that this lame man is looking at Jesus, you know, who, yeah. says, who, says, who says, do you want to be made whole? I mean... We know that God's not a genie, but I mean, if there ever was maybe a picture of it in the moment of like, you know, God being a genie, say it's pretty much, hey, what, what do you need? Right. He not only didn't recognize it, but, but if he laid in that place and was sick for 38 years, yeah. you know what he else he didn't do? He also built no relationships with the people around him. He had Whoa. nobody that, that would be able to say, let me help get you there. So we have to recognize that in our excuses of saying, well, I don't have nobody. Whose fault is that? He was surrounded by other people who were like him for for weeks and months and years. And he never went out of his own, got out of his own pity, his own self 
centeredness to look beyond it and build relationships with other people who would maybe in turn look at him and say, let me help. Yeah. There's something so important there that we can't, that we can't miss that it is, it is recognizing that God is here yeah. looking with the answer, asking us, do we want to be made whole? But there are other people around us who are willing to help us get where we yeah. need to yeah. be. If we're willing to get outside of our comfort zone, we're willing to get outside of our excuses. I think sometimes what happens too is we are in that place of sickness so long, that dysfunction so long, that that becomes comfortable. Yeah. And that becomes normal. I could only imagine, you know, and I was thinking about this because Jesus, he he tells him to get up and pick up his mat. Now, I don't know about you, but a place that I laid for 38 years, and it says that people were all around. When he got up, he knew that 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 place would be taken. And there are times where we hold on to things because we are afraid of what it will look like if we get up and leave it and someone else takes it. You don't need to hold on to dysfunction. Come on. Come on. You don't need to hold on. on to those toxic things mm. anymore. Mm. Mm. That is from the Lord, let me yeah. tell you. And yeah. another thing that we have to be careful of, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to say it really boldly. Quit saying things like, my anxiety, my diabetes, my heart condition. I am dealing with anxiety, but the Holy Spirit says that my portion as a son, as a daughter, is I am operating in a sound mind in the name of Jesus. I will not take that on. I will not identify that as mine. I identify that this is an attack of the enemy. I identify that my place and my portion is not to lay on the ground for 38 more years. Come on, come on. The savior of the universe is saying, do you want to be made well? Do not identify yourself with sickness. That is a spirit of infirmity. And God is going to begin to check us. Even this week, I said something and I said, my fill in the blank. That, no, I'm a daughter. I'm a daughter of royalty and anxiety is not mine. Come on, come on. We have the power to push back. The powers of darkness right. is sickness of yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So we, I, I just want us to wake up as a church and not continue to claim these things as mine. Come on. Right. Because wholeness isn't easy. Wholeness is not easy. Like healing isn't easy. It, re- it requires something new. So Jesus doesn't just heal the lame man. He heals him to the extent it restores the atrophy in, in like his his muscles and his legs, they function and he begins to walk. And Jesus says, pick up your mat. And he's saying, hey, you can't have that space anymore. You, you can't go back to plan B. You, you can't go back to where you were unhealed, unwhole before. You have to give it up. And that's the faith. It's like, it's like the 10 lepers that, that Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priest. They weren't healed yet, but as they went, they were healed. And so there's a part of, of, of faith, of action to saying, as we respond to the invitation of Jesus and we say yes to the invitation, that's where healing happens. That's where wholeness happens. It doesn't happen stuck in the same place that we've always been. It happens at, the, at, at our point of faith. And so that's our, our, our provocation today is to stir up the faith in you. 
that when we do this and when we receive the healing, when we think we have a heart of gratitude, we're thankful that we show up to the table full of thanksgiving. Why? We're not focused on what we have. What, what is going on, what our circumstances are, but we're grateful. How do we not worry or complain? How do we not worry? We come with every uh, supplication before the Lord, what with thanksgiving. Yeah. How do we not worry? With thanksgiving, we come before the Lord. So that's a key, it's a key perspective for us of how we approach the table. I think gratitude's so important. Could you imagine having a guest at your home and every time they come, they tell you what's missing from the table? Mm not sure about you, but I don't really want to host those kind of people. I want you to tell me how good dinner was and that you never had anything like that. But like, think about it. Holy Spirit sets the table for us. And it's like this beautiful feast. And he's so excited for us to partake. And we begin to tell him what's missing on the table. Whoa, that's not being a good guest. Holy Spirit is setting up a feast. Yeah. And if all you see is what is missing, I, I would challenge you to seek healing. Yeah. yeah. Because something happens when you just see the fish in the loaves, yeah. but you see more than that. Mm -hmm. And you begin to break it. And then everything you have is yeah. in it. Mm -hmm. We have to see what's really set before us and mm -hmm. be grateful for it. Yeah. So accept the invite. Say, accept the invite. Show up. Number three, eat and drink. Eat and drink. This is the best part. When you get to the table, what do you do? You, you eat and drink. This is what Jesus said. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. This crazy picture that he's painting. And what was he saying? He was saying, everything that you have need of is in me. He was saying, eat of my flesh and you'll never go hungry again. Drink of my blood. You'll never go thirsty again. He was saying, I am your all sufficiency. Oh. And so we see this picture again with the, with the story of the prodigal son. And there was a good father who had two sons and, and the younger son came to him to come to his father. And he said, dad, I want my inheritance now. I mean, it, it's scandalous today. Back then it was, it would have been absolutely unheard of. Mm -hmm. It's like telling your dad to F off and die because you want the inheritance. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I wish, dad, you were dead so I could have my inheritance. And in that culture, there wasn't even, like he would have got a minuscule amount to what the older brother would have gotten. So he wasn't even getting that much because he was the younger brother. Double and portion went to the oldest. And so, and so he was saying, I want mine and I want it now. And what does the father do? He gives it to him. And yet what happens is that he squanders it. He ends up alone and he, and he comes to a moment where he says, I recognize that even, even the animals eat better at my dad's house than I'm eating now. So I need to come back. And so he, he, he makes the decision to come back to the table. And when he comes back to the table, his father throws the biggest party for him. And he says, I've been waiting for you. And this is the picture of Jesus waiting for us, no matter what we've done, no matter how far we've gone from God. God has set the table for us. And he says, come and dine with me. Nothing can separate you from his love. But the son had to, had to make a decision. He had to make a decision to say, you know what? Shame is not yeah. going to keep me from coming come back on. to the table. 
And I'm here to tell you today that shame could be the greatest hindrance to your life moving forward in a spiritual sense, in a practical sense, keep you from building relationships that you have with other people because of shame. Past experience, things that you know you've done, things that you know that other people have done, it will keep you from building relationships with people. Why? Out because, because of your past. So we allow these things like shame. We allow things like fear, to, to, to the fear of the father's response to, to allow us to come back to the table. But the prodigal made a decision. He says, I'm coming back. And that's a decision that we have to make today. We have to make a decision to say, I'm coming back. And I'm going to eat at the table. Absolutely. And then you have the older brother. And I think if we're honest and we've been believers for any amount of time, you know, he could have really helped prepare that party. Mm. Wow. He could have really helped cultivate. Like he could have put on like the best music and he could have, he could have really helped. But so many times we can look with a critical spirit at things not being done the way we would do them we can begin to want to control the narrative. And I'm going to be honest with you. There are times if you are not asking the Lord to check you for a critical spirit, you will operate in a religious spirit and you won't even realize it. And then the Holy Spirit will later show you that you were not correct. That's called a religious spirit. When we want to demonize everything and everyone because it's different than our journey. It's very hard to cultivate when you have a critical spirit. It just silences things at a table. Have you ever been to a dinner party and it's silent? Like nobody's talking. Can I just tell you, that's like my worst nightmare. I'm like, so, uh, yeah, did you? Like, I start saying the craziest things, you know? And Adam's like, oh. And I'll be like, did you know? And I start talking about personality. Like, I, I don't even know. I'm like, what else do I have out of my bag, you know? Because silence, it's like, I want connection. We all innately desire connection. And maybe it's the past hurt. Yeah. Maybe it's the past church hurt. That you're willing, you've sat here now for a couple years, but you haven't started cultivating. There's a seat at the table and you know that, but you really haven't started engaging because you're hurt. What are you going to do about the hurt? What are you going to do about the resentment? What are you going to do about the rejection? Because here's the thing that I've realized. People can be crummy. Because just like I need healing, and last week I was triggered by something, yeah, so is, so is my friend. Okay, let's take it. So is my leader. And so if I am living in a bubble that if no one bumps me, then maybe I'll be okay. That is a horrible place to live in. Here's the bottom line. I am no longer trying to get to the promised land. I am in the promised land because I am in covenant with Jesus. I no longer have to say, where's my manna? Where's my quail? I eat of the produce and it is always set before me. So guess what? If somebody bumps me and I'm triggered, that's on me. 
That's on me and my Jesus to sit in my secret place and unpack. That is not for me to go to my prayer partner and tell them how ungodly that other person is because they said this, that, and the other, and it triggered me. We have to manage our own emotions. And the question is, if you are not being asked to come to tables, why? Could it be you're not fun to be around? Could it be that you are so in love with your own opinions? Listen, here's the thing. Are we family or are we not? Well, we were till you said that. I mean... Listen, I'll be honest. I have totally been in love with my own opinion. And then God shows me how wrong it was or shows me that there is room for multiple opinions. Come on. And we have to be really careful. And I'm going to speak to the next generation. Be very careful. I was praying in my secret room. The Lord is in this move and it is for this generation. But yeah. the enemy wants to derail it by pride. Mm-hmm. Be careful not to demonize or reject the people older than you who has been sowing seeds. Be very careful. It will look different. You are correct. But the enemy wants to sow discord. And we have to realize that we all have a responsibility at the table to cultivate conversation, to cultivate community, and to cultivate heaven. Are you accepting the invitation to actually partake? Mm. Or are you accepting the invitation to exist Mm -hmm. at the table? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a friend Mm -hmm. that all they talk about is their problems? And then they go on and they go on and you ask them how they are and it's the same thing that it's been for years and years and years and years and years. That happens in the spirit. Yeah. And it happens in the natural. Yeah. So when we go to the Lord and we go to the Lord and the Lord's like, hey, did you do those steps I told you about? And we're like, Lord, move on my behalf. He's like, hey, did you set up that IFM? Yeah. Lord, I need you. Where are you? Where are you? Hey, did you get an accountability partner? I, I don't even see you. Do you even love me? I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. I am deconstructing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, like when's the last time you opened your Bible? God doesn't want you to deconstruct, but he's totally cool if you reconstruct. But we, we, we have to ask ourselves in the spirit, if we are not connecting and in the natural, we are not connecting. We have to be willing to ask ourselves, am I cultivating this? And be willing to hear how we can do better. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I want to personally invite you to Oasis City Church in Westerville, Ohio. We have two services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can find all of our information on our website, oasiscitychurch.com. You can also watch our online services on YouTube. You can listen to our weekly podcast as well. Go check us out. We'd love to see you. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church that brought you this program, Check out OasisCityChurch.com and look up our social media and live stream on YouTube. Oasis City Columbus is a diverse church that celebrates all cultures and backgrounds no matter where you've been because that's the way the kingdom of heaven is. We invite you to join us Sundays at our main campus in Westerville right off I-270 on East Wind Drive. 
And you can find all the details at the OasisCityChurch.com website. Thanks for listening today. Revive All is a presentation of Oasis City Church Columbus.